21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. I've learned that a lot of the, the reasons why startups fail are not because of market dynamics, are not because the economy, are not because of competition, but rather internal issues. Eighty percent of which could be avoided if you have the right context and the right guidance at that point in time. So, so, so what am I talking about? So, I'll give you some examples. A lot of startups start off with the wrong team. What do I mean by that? So a lot of startups start typically as a, a solo non-technical founder. That's really hard to do. When you're a non-technical founder, you don't have the context you need to iterate on your, your product, which is software, and take the advice from the customers into the product. Another version of this is the solo non-technical founder that hires a, a random engineer in some random part of the world. Uh, and they call them kind of a, a technical co-founder when they're not. Co-founders know each other, have worked with each other, share ideas, share decision, have equal share, equal say. That's a true co-founder relationship. But if you have somebody that you treat like, you know, like a soldier, like a foot soldier, and not as a partner that's going to fail out of the gate. So, so that, that's one thing I've seen in teams. The second thing in teams I see a lot is that they look at startup ideas like an MBA would look at a startup idea. I'm an ex-MBA. <laughs> so uh, an MBA looks at a startup idea like, oh, there is this market that's huge we should go solve a problem there. Um, and that typically doesn't work. What does work is looking at it like an engineer. Like I had this problem. I faced this problem. Let me go fix it. And, and the reason why that succeeds more, it's because you have now a unique insight that 90% of the population doesn't have. You've experienced it, you have context around the problem and you can solve it better than anyone else can. Where if you're looking at the market uh, landscape, everybody has access to the same information. So you're no different than anyone else, right? Like, like AI is a great example, right? Everybody has access to the same LLMs, the same chat GPT. Like, unless you've experienced a problem where you have a unique insight, that's gonna, that, that's gonna help resonate. So, so, so those, those are two of the reasons I've seen, and I have many more, but uh, those are two core reasons I've seen how, how startups fail and that I wish I knew when I was starting out. You were from the Wall Street to Silicon Valley 
how have these diverse experiences shaped your entrepreneurial journey in the context of those insights you just shared with us? So you were on MBA as well. How did you came up with this kind of conclusions? Like foot soldier versus partner, huge market versus engineer. So I'll give you, I guess, a one-minute background on me. Um, I'm a Dominican immigrant. I grew, grew up in the Dominican Republic, immigrated to, to South Bronx and Harlem when I was 12. Out of high school, I joined the Air Force, dropped out of the Air Force uh, to, be, to become an airplane mechanic, just so I could help my parents make ends meet. Uh, I wound up being a mechanic for six years, went back to college, and became an hour of Wall Street. I thought Wall Street was the place to succeed and learn and win and, and reach the American dream, which is why my mom and dad made the, the effort to bring me over. Um, so I, I wind up trying to pivot from being a mechanic to being on Wall Street, got rejected 33 times by every investment bank, but I ultimately got an opportunity to do a free internship, turn that internship into a paid internship, and turn that paid internship into a full-time job. And then my life completely changed. I became an investment banker at JP Morgan, age 25, which was older than most. And I started learning a lot, getting exposure to different worlds. Afterwards, I wanted to keep leveling up. Uh, I noticed that most of my classmates were, uh, most of my colleagues were from Ivy Leagues. I applied to a number of schools. I was able to get into the Wharton School for my MBA. Again, changed my life, got to go to school really, really, bright people, way smarter than me. It gave me the confidence to, to go start a business, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, that's where I started uh, what was then Regali, which was uh, trying to uh, improve remittances, given that I got grown up on remittances as a recipient, then a sender. Uh, it was easy for me to come up with a problem. We wound up pivoting out of that. But one thing I learned, Martin, is something, with startups, it, it's more important to get started than just the idea. Just, just get stuck, put one foot in front of the other and you'll figure things out, getting into that momentum. And that's what uh, my experiences remained did for me. On that journey, were you alone? I mean, uh, did, did you have any kind of support? So you were emigrant, you were on all those different schools and jobs, and it sounds like a loneliness, recipe for loneliness. Um, yeah, it was very lonely. Luckily, I was able to participate in organizations that really helped me. Uh, organizations like SEO, MLT, and what I learned, Martin, is that the power of being in the right room makes a big difference. Because when you're in the right room, you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, and you get to see what success looks like. Even though you are here and they are here, uh, it actually makes you see, okay, this is what winning looks like. Let me start copying that and emulating their habits. And you do that long enough, you start winning yourself after long enough without much effort because it becomes natural. And that's, so that's what I started doing. I didn't, you know, I wasn't better looking than anyone else. I wasn't more network. I wasn't smarter than anyone else. I, I was just intellectually curious and I just worked really hard. Uh, so that's how ultimately I was able to kind of get enough clout and knowledge to start my own tech business. And what was your driving force? 
That's a good question, Mark. I think one of the big drivers was for me is just, man, I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a neighborhood in Santo Domingo, which was not very good. Uh, then I grew up in another neighborhood in, in, in Harlem, which was also not very good. I actually lost one of my best friends to, to gang violence, rest in peace. Um, and I felt when I was graduating business school, I just felt immensely lucky. Uh, and I felt like I have to succeed to repay back for that energy and that blessing. And, you know, 10 years doing anything is a long time, but doing it in a startup is a long, long time. Many times I wanted to give up, many times I wanted to quit, but I felt indebted and I felt an immense sense of gratitude to have the opportunity. And that kept me going all the way through, through when we wound up selling the business very successfully. Any specific daily routine, mindset, so way of thinking that helped you keep on going, way of living, sport activities? Yeah, it's a good it's good that you asked that, Martin. So one of the habits that I picked up late in my journey, actually in 2020 during the pandemic, was um, stoicism. I picked up the book uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which had a deep impact in, in my trajectory because it helped me reframe problems and obstacles. Uh, at that time, I was going through a lot of depression. I, you know, I just, my wife and I had just lost our, our first baby. Uh, I lost my grandmother. I, I was, yeah, it was very, in a very dark place. Um, so I needed something to get me out of it. I'm not the most religious person, but I think stoicism really helped me reframe things in, in a, in a more, not positive or optimistic, but in a more practical way. This is how you can channel anger. This is how you can channel anxiety in a productive way. Um, and that helped me get out of that situation and on to uh, success. What was your reset? New routine, to wake up early morning, to run, to... I mean, what were the prerequisites for making such a huge step in the direction of new epistemology, new way of living? So, yeah, one, one thing we, I, I started doing is uh, every meeting I would lead off with a, a gratitude ritual. I would have everybody say... Um, what they're thankful for. This is something I picked up from my co-founder co actually, and it just became a habit. And at the end of the night, I would um, have a meditation session, just a very quick three to five minute session. Do you find yourself as a happy person now, or are you in the in the middle of the journey? Are you are you a serial entrepreneur? Are, are you thinking in the context of exit strategies for multiple businesses, or what? What's your story? Yeah, I'm very happy now. I'm wife have a baby now so very very lucky uh spending cherishing every moment right now um yeah right now mostly just just helping people i i, I 
spent the last two years uh, writing a book, The Underdog Founder, which is my way of kind of putting everything I've learned into the context of, of a story uh, with the goal and purpose of helping motivate and inspire people who, who've experienced extreme obstacles and, and all kinds of life tragedies uh, with the subtext of, of, of stoicism, right? How, how to turn obstacles into massive opportunities. So I'm just in a stage in life where I just want to give back as much as possible because I'm very lucky. Why do you believe that underdog founders are our future, by the way? I feel like most people fear unseen within the context of tech, right? So tech is all around us. It's, it's ominous, right? It's everybody uses Uber, Google on a daily basis, on a daily basis right? Uh, and the people that build these companies are, it's almost like mythical legends, right? Um, and But I've met people that, of these companies, I, I've met billionaires. I, some of them have invested in my last company. And, and, and what I gather is that they're like normal people like you and I, who, who made lots of mistakes, who also struggle physically, mentally, psychologically. Um, and, and, and what I'm bringing in the book is kind of my story in terms of how I really came across all these obstacles and what I did in order to get over them. And hopefully with that, that kind of brings startup success down to your level, to people's level, where they meet them where they are, not where they need to be, but where, where they are now and make them feel like it's very possible to do it themselves, right? And, and that's my only goal, right? And that's why I feel like the title of the book is Underdog Founder, how to go from unseen to unstoppable, right? Because that's what it takes. You need to be go from a person that, don't feel like you're seen by the world that's not quite reflected of you to become an unstoppable force, right? Because that's what it takes to deal with massive tech companies. Can you share with us some key principles that you address in your book to help, actually to help entrepreneurs overcome, let's say, various obstacles? Absolutely. So I wrote the book in the spirit of giving people the unwritten lessons I learned about as a founder that I wish I knew when I was thinking about starting a tech business. So, so some of the principles that I discuss in the book is the importance of finding your fuel, uh, understanding what drives you as an entrepreneur. It's key because ideas may change, teams may change, markets may change, products may change, but what doesn't change is what drives you. And you need to know that because it's such a long journey, so tough, so hard, you will get beaten in every single corner that unless you have clear, precise, clarity on what fuels you, what drives you as a person, you'll just quit. The other thing that I, I talk about, uh, as I discussed earlier, is just getting in the right room, figuring out who are the smartest people that you can get a hold of and just go hang out with them. Uh, you'll become naturally better at, at what you're doing as a founder, just by hanging out with smarter founders who are slightly ahead of you. 
or people who are just better than you in other aspects, like whether it's sales or software development or fundraising or hiring, just hang out with people who are better than you in one specific skill set, and you'll naturally become the best version of you by hanging out with them. And the, la the last kind of uh, key principle I talk about is it's cultivate grit. Uh, grit is, is by far the number one attribute in successful founders that I've met. And that is because after a while, uh, startups just become a game of stamina. Like, can you stick around long enough to succeed? I always talk about the, the Twitch story. So Twitch is obviously one of the most popular websites in the world. It's where you go to stream live video games. And the, the funny story of how that started, it started as a, as, a, as a reality TV website, which is a horrible idea. This guy named Justin Can who's a dear friend of mine now, uh, would strap a TV to himself. This is before the internet, like, got cell phones. Uh, and he would record himself 24 hours a day. And he did that for seven years. And that was the business. And then one day he's recording himself playing video games. And they noticed that, hey, everybody is really paying attention to this. What if we just record you playing video games? Then that became, what if we just record other people playing video games? And year seven, they pivoted from Justin TV to Twitch and they wound up selling the business for a billion dollars to Amazon. So that's just really grit, sticking around long enough for good things to happen. Can you share a specific instance where you managed to turn a significant life obstacle into an opportunity? Yeah, I remember Martin when I was about 25 years old, already three years older than the average senior in college. I was working as an airplane mechanic nights and weekends and holidays. And I was looking to transition from being an airplane mechanic to investment banker. And I knocked on every door. I got rejected for each investment bank three times. So I ended up getting rejected 33 consecutive interviews. And at a point, I remember I would just take anything. I was just tired of like going to work as an airplane mechanic, coming home with grease in the cold on holidays. Um, and I felt like I would have just taken any kind of job where I didn't have to do that every single night um so in my senior year in college i wound up getting a job uh, at city uh, but as an operations uh analyst which wasn't a bad job uh it's decent salary right not six figure but decent and i felt like man that's great i get to work at a bank i work nine to five uh, I was working nine to five, but 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. <laughs> as a mechanic in the cold. So this is great. And I remember walking in after I got my offer, I was invited to city. And I remember walking into that floor and I, and I saw like 
fans and I saw people with sweaters and people just looked depressed and not, it was not an environment of success. It was definitely not the right room. And I felt like, man, and I said to myself, once I got out of it, Idrisio, if you take this job, you will regret it the rest of your life. You will become complacent and it'll be, it'll set the pace for everything that you do in your life. So I kid you not, I wind up rejecting that with zero safety net. I said to myself, there is no way on this earth that I work this hard to quit. And I wind up, kept applying. I wind up getting an internship offer, not even a regular job, an internship offer at UBS. And I took that internship and I converted that internship into a full-time job in the next year. And I quit my job forever and never looked back. So sometimes you have to burn the bridges and the only way to move forward is to have nothing to go back to. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective and embark on the path to success.